0: Hello, folks, and welcome to another episode of On My Mind. I'm Shelley Griffith, and today I'm extremely delighted to have as my guest a young man that I've known for many, many years, Russell Carter. We're going to talk about some very, very interesting things that I think many of you may never have heard about. And, Russell, it's great to have you with me today.
1: Thank you, Shelley. I appreciate you having me.
0: We're going to talk first, as I do with all my guests, if you'll share with our listeners uh, where you're from originally, a little bit of family background, education, and, and moving toward a uh, later time in life with, with college.
1: Um, well, I'm born and raised in Memphis, Tennessee. I was born in 1968, raised a little bit all over Memphis. I was blessed uh, to have two parents that really cared about me, so they made sure education was always a priority. I went to Central High School, which actually my father graduated from and my grandmother, his mother, graduated from. So it was kind of a neat dynamic seeing all of us graduate from Central, being that it is Memphis's first public high school. Uh, After that, I went to the University of Memphis, Uh, graduated in 1986 from Central, and then went to the University of Memphis, where I started my major in business management and started getting more and more into the food industry, which is where I kind of went after I graduated college
0: and the, in the food industry, Russell, interestingly, I kind of grew up in it with my father and, and it's a tough business. We'll talk about in a few minutes, but after you graduated, take us through kind of your first steps, maybe like the first job, uh that you had and and through that as you began to get into your own uh line of of work
1: well actually when i got into food my father was general manager of germantown country club for over 40 years and he was the longest running general manager of a country club at that time so i always saw him doing different foods which interests me and um in high school i worked for a local groceries chain at the time it was called cecil's Hmm. And I was worked in their deli department and worked around the different foods. And they helped pay for my first couple of years of school. And then I got into uh, my father, knowing people in the food industry, introduced me to a gentleman named Mike Mosteller, who was one of the owners of Pig & Whistle Barbecue. Hmm. And I worked there as a regular cook while I was in school and then ended up becoming manager and general manager. Um, while I was in college. So that was kind of where my basis came from. And then, uh, worked at Pig and Whistle for a while. And then I ended up working for Kroger, um, grocery stores. I was the, uh, bakery and deli manager for the largest bakery deli and Kroger's company in the South. Mm. It was in Bartlett, Tennessee. And Mm. that really taught me the ownership side of, you know, your P&Ls, inventories and things like that, that you need which kind of fed into um, moving onward in my career. So,
0: And then your business background, if I understand that, certainly added to what you needed to know and learn for progressing forward.
1: Yes, at, at the time, Memphis did not have a uh, hotel and restaurant degree. Mm-hmm. Um, they do now, thank goodness, and it is a very good department that the city of Memphis needed to really train A lot of individuals because it was the one department in the business department that we always thought that they needed and uh, I also was blessed I was in a fraternity in college and developed some very besides my fraternity just the other fraternities that friendships that lasted me in the business world and still today I run into people that I've gone to school with in college you are talking about late 80s early 90s that you know we're still friends and that the references and you can look back that really, you know, help you in the long run.
0: Absolutely, I agree, Russell, I, I think back, and, and I'm, I'm way past Russell's age, by the way, folks, you probably know that, uh, but reality sets in the folks that you remember from collegiate days. so important uh, to connect with, stay friends with uh, as you go through these steps. Now, when was it that you, uh, sort of transition from working for the other folks to where you decided you'd step out and tackle this on your own.
1: Well, what happened is I was at Kroger and I actually got tired of the food business. And this traditionally (laughs) happens with everyone that's in the food business. And you get out and then you realize very quickly, why was I doing this for so long? Or you realize I made a mistake. And I was actually doing um, some loan financing on homes, working with my mother who was in real estate. And an opportunity came from one of my very good friends in high school. He had opened a pizza restaurant down in Harbortown, which is in Memphis, Tennessee, downtown. And uh, he asked me to come join. And I was still in the, no, I'm not doing the restaurant phase. (laughs) And then Came back to me a month later, and I went down there and looked, and I saw opportunity. Um, I saw that a good friend was in over his head and needed help, and I also saw an opportunity for myself. So, at that point, we made an agreement for me to come in. Um, Walked in the first day, fired everybody. Uh, (laughs) Not my... uh, Wow. This... The business was run, he did not have the people that cared about him. Um, We did end up bringing back two employees. We went from there. You know, just through the years, a lot of it, what I had to explain to everybody, especially when you own your own business, if you don't care about your quality, it doesn't make a difference. Mm. Um, You can produce mass quantity. You can produce, you know, different menu items. But if the quality isn't there and people don't realize it comes from your heart, then you're not gonna be successful in the restaurant business. That's so that's where you know I got started with that. We went and we, um, we turned a negative income restaurant into a positive in six months. Mm. We slowly started moving forward. Uh, a couple of years after that, I uh, approached my friend and um, asked him if I could buy him out. I saw more opportunity for myself I knew he had other things going that, you know, he had no problem. And he also, I I was blessed with a friend that also had no problem helping me. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was a big thing. And Mm -hmm. from that point, took it over, and it was a wonderful run while I had it.
0: And, of course, and I'll tell you folks, awesome food, awesome service, fun time. But you also added two or three things into the mix, which I gather many restaurants do today, and that is some. Um, uh, am I saying it like a, a game night or trivia nights or special happy hour situations? You added some of that in. Well,
1: we did. We did a trivia night on Friday, which trivia is really big in Memphis. We also did pint nights. Um, one thing at that time, microbrews really started hitting. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of our local breweries started, you didn't have just the Bud Light, Miller Light, Coors Light groups yeah. came up. And one thing I realized, even though it was not really a beer that I liked, I saw what the customer wanted. Mm-hmm. So with our beer reps that would come in, we would look at what options we had, and we would always bring something in at least for 30 days. Okay. If it went 30 days, and, and and I had 10 to 15 customers that, Say if it was a blue raspberry beer, which why anybody would drink that in the first place. But if those customers told me, man, this is a great product, yeah. we would push. Sure. If they also came to me and said, man, this is kind of lacking, or I could just tell that it wasn't a mover, we would run a special, move it out. But the distributors also realized that the opportunity we were given them to showcase beers at that time, which microbrews today, I mean, everybody's about microbrews and loves the local breweries. And we are very fortunate in Memphis to have some very good ones. But we ran, you know, those beers on tap um, and we featured them in different aspects. We would have certain nights where we would run a special on the beer and then or with the food. And then we ended up down the road. We did a uh, crawfish festival Ooh. and it was at first we were doing it. It. You know where this store was located, in Harbortown. There's only, at the time, 4,000 people living there on that island. Um, You know, at the time now, it's over seven. But we we were just going to do a neighborhood block party Mm -hmm. that eventually became... It was rated as one of the top ten festivals in the city of Memphis. Uh Um, We did it all on our own, which was a little bit different. We had the beer companies. We would choose one that would come in with us. And the one thing I thought made us unique is that we chose to do this festival with the Memphis food bank. Um, We were talking about this earlier and I, I I really liked it because one thing I think you should do in any business you're in, you should give back to where you are. I think that's one of the things in this country. If we gave as much as is given to us, I think we would be a lot better society. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we ran that and we would, you know, donate canned goods and money to them. And to me, it just made it, all the point, but we were recognized at that time. Getting back to the microbrews, we were known for, you know, putting that out there and being one of the forefront mm. of that. So,
0: and now you've seen that dramatic change. What a wonderful thing, Russell! When you look at giving back to a food bank, I, I too work in Athens, where, where I live, with a food bank system, and very rewarding, uh, very important. People, like you say, want to help others who are needy, and that's perfect to do that. Uh, It's a question I'm getting side-goggled a little bit, folks. This is a question I've always wanted to ask you and others who dealt in a a pizza-type situation. Is there there a favorite pizza for people?
1: If anyone (laughs) ever tells you in America that it's not pepperoni, then they're wrong pepperoni is the number one pizza um that there is we were a little different we did a lot of specialty pizzas we made up a lot um now you know it's not today everybody uses google today but back then we would we would just go on google and we would type in different toppings and get recommend you know uh, recipes would pop up and we would with uh employees that worked with us we gave them a lot of you know like show me what you got they yeah. put some items on some pizza. We'd try it. Um, we had some major successes. We had a lot of failures. Um, <laughs> nice. I think the funniest one we ever did. We actually did Thanksgiving on a pizza. Oh um, no! It was good to eat, but it was never going to be a seller. Oh my god! But uh, it just—I always just appreciated when when you give your employees that chance to show what they can do, they give you that much back and i I mean we made a number of pizzas that you know to this day people are like well i wish you could make that for me again my wife especially she's wanting me to get a pizza oven at the house outside so i can make some of her favorite ones that she had from the restaurant before we sold it
0: And, and folks i'm gonna tell you i had the occasion on on more than you know many times to eat there wonderful wonderful stuff and the the differences but so pepperoni was it and and that is interesting at that time. And so, yeah, but uh, in, in as you began to look at the bigger picture and, and how many years you were there, then how was your mindset about moving on to something else? Because folks, any of you all, like Russell, who have been in the restaurant business, it's, it's just, you know, 24-7, 365, and, and it's a very, very tough industry. So when you were coming to a decision about backing away, what, what went through your mind?
1: Well, it, it was a few things. And, you know, I don't always openly talk about it. Uh, well, okay. I had personal issues that I needed to deal with. I also had a wife that I'm still blessed to be with this day that stood by me through all my personal issues and it became a time we were started having children i had children older and my priorities changed but also i looked down at a lot of times you have to look in the business you know where you are where you're located who you're dealing with and the people places and things changed for me personally and changed for the business and i did not see where i specifically was could do it and was willing to do it. The things needed to run the business. And I wanted to hand it off to someone else and let them have it and take a step back. And because I always told myself when I became a father, I was going to be the best father I could, mm. like which was done for myself. And we, I just got to the point that I prioritized things differently. I mean, when you're in the restaurant, you're exactly correct. It's 24-7. And... But I just priorities changed for me, and I learned from that point on that I made those priorities number one. So when I moved on from there, everywhere I've gone, that's been my number one priority. So
0: excellent, and and that's so true, Russell. With so many folks, when they do that, so you you were able to sell the restaurant, and then from that point, uh, take us through next steps, because a lot of our listeners look at at career changes. I know as an aside, uh, working at a college, Tennessee Westland, listening to them, they talk about career changes in your life five times. Now, I'm not sure that's correct. Uh, When you look at it, there will be moving changes, maybe, but I think that's interesting. So as you stepped away uh what when you changed your priorities what did you begin thinking of you'd like to get back into or or you know maybe go a little uh to another side
1: well when i sold the business i had the option of having a leeway to be able to choose which i don't think know if everybody's always available and the one thing i looked at is what was going to take care of me, take care of my wife, take care of my kids and give me an opportunity to do the things I wanted to and um, I still love the food business so um, I looked at different aspects you know looked at possibly going to the beer side because I knew so much from that mm-hmm. and uh, once again through my dad because he's he's always he knows everybody and I always used to do the joke of the sick you know the Kevin bacon, how how quickly do someone, you know, the seven degrees, how you know oh. Kevin Bacon? Yeah. And I always said there was three degrees to Harvey Carter because everybody would look. I'd oh. have people walk up to me and say, you're Harvey's son? Yeah. And I would just start laughing. I'd be like, how do you f- figure that out? Yeah. And uh, he knew a young lady that was uh, with the largest franchisee with Lenny's Grill and Subs. And we sat down and talked. And it was a corporate side that I had never really done before mm-hmm. also part of it uh, and i had learned that being in the food business long enough i did not want to be around grease fryers anymore <laughs> <laughs> and oh. people right if you've been in this enough you know once you clean the grease fire one too many you you're ready to be done and oh, yeah. uh i just saw opportunity uh i was presented with a store that they had that was underperforming mm-hmm. versus its past years um i looked at where it was the marketability and, you know, what would be good once again for myself and the family and made an agreement to step on with them. We changed that store. I think first year we increased sales, uh, 300,000. Um, we ended up being recognized as one of the top five catering stores in the company, Mm -hmm. which they, they were known for that before and they lost it and we just brought back, what was naturally there. But then the next year we started working on that and I uh, was given an opportunity to move on with their corporate, took a job with them. I was uh, in charge of one of their stores that they did all their commercial through and they also was run by the um, corporate company and they also did, they tra- I trained every franchisee in the company mm-hmm. and we went down there. Of course, We do the end of the year meeting where they have all that. And the store that I'd run previously ended up being number one in three categories. They didn't tell me after I left. So I was surprised when they won because I got to (laughs) see my people step up and accept the award. But then they asked me to come up there because it was my acknowledgement. And that was a good thing to know that, you know, no matter where I was, I was always going to be 100 percent. And I was given 110 percent to my family. And I stayed around with them for a year, and then that's what led me to where I am today is I ran into uh, Mike Garibaldi. And Mike, when I was in college, I was a delivery driver for him. He's had three restaurants in the city of Memphis for 47 years. Yeah. He's an authentic Italian, and uh, we talked. We've He's always been a mentor of mine, such as yourself, somebody that, I firmly believe that every person should have someone that's whether they're 10 to 30 years older than them, that that's not family that you can go talk to Mm -hmm. and say, Hey, I'm thinking this or I'm going through this Mm -hmm. and you know, you're not going to be judged and you can just feedback things on because I don't think a lot of this generation doesn't realize what they can get from their elders Mm -hmm. or get from other people that have been through the same experiences. And he and I sat down and talked and I was ready to go charging with him at that. So, you know, and the one thing I always did when I made sure when I left any job over my life, I always gave proper notice. Mm. Um, that's a lost concept, unfortunately these days (laughs) in this job market. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I I went and I've worked for him and, um, I haven't looked back. I've been offered opportunities to, hey, I'll open a restaurant, you run it. I do not see anybody that runs a restaurant right now, you need to say thank you to because what owners and people that are putting on their own livelihood at stake every day Mm -hmm. is, it's amazing that they can do it. Um, It's the craziest market I've ever seen. And I'll be honest with you, I don't see anything right now changing. I think it's gonna get a little bit worse for the food industry with pricing and that from what we've seen. And that's a very scary thing, you know, just seeing that.
0: That was my next question to segue into where you're seeing the industry go in the next few years. These reasonings, I've always had a giant amount of sympathy for those who are in the business uh, from uh, busboys, servers, kitchen staff, owners, anybody, just a tough, tough industry. So, so you are seeing some signs that there will be tougher times ahead for the food industry like that.
1: Right now, paper products, if you go to a lot of restaurants, they charge you 25 cents a box.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, because the paper from aluminum foil to pans, that cost is up two to 300% since the pandemic. And those are hidden costs that You know, when you go to the grocery store, you don't naturally see as much, but those are hidden costs that are really hitting, you know, especially restaurant people, the hardest right now. Um, I mean, you know, we ate dinner tonight and I cooked some ribs and ribs are some of the cheapest price I've seen, but you go get a Boston butt and it's some of the most expensive price and it's the same animal, which I don't understand. I haven't delved enough into it to say, well, why is the rib? less, you know, going down and the shoulders going up. But some of those things we do not see any change right now. Mm. And, you know, we, we're looking at different things because, you know, a lot of restaurants in the city with the pandemic, they put the automatic 15% Mm. and that, and that's one thing I've been very proud of is that we, we don't, we leave that to the customer and, you know, we've, but I understand where Mike's coming from, when he we talk about it, that it's not anything, you know, it, you know, we, the other day, we, we switched from these bowls. We use our pasta in to a different bowl. And a lady asked me, goes, is this the same thing? I said, it's the exact same size. We switched because I would have to, if I stay with this bowl, I have to raise your price a dollar. Oh, if wow. I stay with this bowl, I don't. And she goes, I'll take that bowl. <laughs> I'll take that <laughs> new bet. bowl right there. And, uh will but it's just that's just how crazy it is but it takes you know being on your toes and being creative but we have a very good management staff that you know helps mike and his son run the business and you know like i said there's nobody else i'd rather be with right now so
0: and i love hearing you say russell about mentors like mike who would help you because they care about you i find a struggle in my profession, as a retired doc for almost eight years, getting younger physicians to listen without me telling them how to do their practice, but trying to offer suggestions that may ease their roles, ease their time, learn to to be with the patients a little bit more, and it's really tough sometimes. You know, I don't get my feelings hurt in any sense, but it is hard, and for you. Passing on your wisdom to folks very very important. Now, folks, Russell absolutely just makes some of the and just phew the most delicious ribs barbecue products. Uh, he doesn't agree with what I'm about to say that he makes the best doggone brisket too, but he says no no no. So I'll let him do that. But tell me uh, and tell the the listeners a little bit about some of the fun cooking events you've had and especially uh in, in this area here in Memphis the Memphis in May tell them what's going on with that
1: well when I worked at uh picking on some barbecue that was years ago a bunch of college friends and I decided to do it just to have some fun and that over 20 plus years ago kind of took off I was blessed with some friends that we decided to go cook and then we joined with some other teams and they have what's known as a barbecue circuit here around this area so we would go do contests and of course for us the super bowl is it's called memphis and may (laughs) barbecue and uh you know i always told everybody it's a bucket list item for me to go on the stage one time i've had actual people that i've showed how to cook that have gone on the stage before i have but um i've always enjoyed and I've told judges this. I always enjoy, if I can't tell you how to do it, I enjoy as much teaching you how to cook as I do, yeah. do cooking yeah. it. Um, but, you know, that's a huge contest there. And I did that for 15 years. Mm. And then um it's very competitive, The especially the competitions now and change. I have a very good friend who's he's made a profession out of it. Um, we were talking earlier. I use a lot of his rubs on what mm-hmm. I cook and I've watched, uh, it's Heath Rawls and he, and with his company and his rubs and spices that he used, I'll put them up against anybody's. Um, I just think that it, and, and he, one thing I really appreciate about Heath is that he teaches mm-hmm. in his YouTube videos and that he shows you recipes. He's showed you how he's done a contest on YouTube because part of his thing is you still got to know how to do it. Yeah. And that's the bottom line. And, you know, I joke with you tonight, I brought, um, some, the ribs over, I thought were the best. Some of them I thought I let go a little bit long, mm. but I'm always the toughest critic on myself. The brisket, I, Shelly and I were talking over, I was looking at podcasts and I watched this perfect brisket <laughs> coming off the grill. And I know that could probably be one out of a hundred for that guy, but it's mm. the one I haven't achieved yet. So, Memphis is known for barbecue, and you know I just try to do what I think people like. My biggest thing tonight when we ate, I don't, I don't think I told you this. That's the most ribs I've probably eaten in five years.
0: Really? Really?
1: Because I usually enjoy like tasting them, and then I let I enjoy watching everybody else
0: eat. And folks, I mean, as I say, awesome. I rate them A plus plus, and and I've had the chance to have a lot of good, you know, grilled barbecue uh, over the years at different places, but, and like I say, Russell is good. He's, he's excellent. He is his own best critic, which is what always makes me respect him because so many people think, nah, this is the best, you'll love it, blah, 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 and, and he's such a good teacher, mentor himself, and then enjoying watching folks, you know, be satisfied with the meal. Now, one thing, Russell, if you, If you had, I guess, the opportunity to, and like you said, you've had good mentors, mentors. but if you have the opportunity and I come to you as a a college graduate and pick food service, whatever the areas are, as you say now, the majors, what are you going to tell that young person when they come to you and say, all right, Russell, I need your help on picking or or continuing the idea of a career in food service. What will you look at and tell that young person to be aware of, to consider uh, before they just slide into a food career? They may think it's the best thing in the world. I'm going to own 10 restaurants and make a gazillion dollars, but... What does Russell Carter tell that young person?
1: Well, the first you have to look at corporate versus an independent owner. Um, I did the corporate once and I I would personally not go back to that. Um, Corporate is very cutthroat. Um, There's only so much loyalty, but I will be honest from my time with Lenny's corporate that I had, I have some very good friends out of that, that, even though none of us are with Lenny's right now, we are all, we keep in contact with each other and, you know, how's your kids doing and that, which I've really appreciated. Um, the one thing I tell anybody when you, especially if you go in the restaurant business, don't even consider down the road owning a business unless you're willing to do all the work. Um, I, the way I, I tell any employee, if I asked them to go clean the bathroom, they will have at least seen me clean the bathroom once. Mm. Um, you cannot be a teacher. You cannot be somebody that they respect if they're, you're not willing to get your hands dirty as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and especially with the employment issues that are changing now and a way a lot of young people, we have failed as parents to teach them responsibility. Uh, and I say this because we have, some kids who come in and we have to teach them how to sweep. Um, I don't know about you. When I was six year old, I I got taught to sweep (laughs) by my grandmother. So, um, but what I always tell them, if you see me getting down and dirty with you, I want you right beside me. And if you're getting down and dirty, you should expect me to be willing to get with you. Mm -hmm. Um, That if you're going to go in, you know, be willing to start from the ground up and work your way up. Because if you don't know every facet of that company or to the or the industry you want to go in, especially when you're talking about restaurants, you can be Italian, chicken, fine dining, you know, grab and go. There's so many different areas you can go into. If you don't know that, your customer will know that you don't know that. Mm. And you have to be willing to be able to be creative with your menu. Um, be willing to listen when somebody doesn't like something. I always tell everybody, especially employees, is that a lot of t- I will listen to anything anybody has to say. Ninety-nine point nine nine percent of the time, I've heard it or done it. Mm-hmm. But there's always going to be that one little percent that somebody brings up an idea, which uh, I'll give you an example. We sit there, we make our own sausage, everybody's meat sauce. We have to pour it out of the buckets, so the way we were using to pour it, it would make a lot of splatter effect. So I'm working at the one of the stores and young kid comes up, grabs a whisk and uses it when it goes in the bucket and it deflected all the splatters. There was no mess. And mm. I'm sitting at 54 years old. And so I go back to the other store and I, one of the young men's doing it and it's going anywhere. I said, let me show you this real quick. And they were like, man, that's the greatest idea. Where did you <laughs> learn that? And you know, I could have taken that. Oh yeah, I've always done that. But sure. I sat there and I said, Remember when I tell you that you can always learn? And I said this is what a young man taught me. Wow. And the little things like that you you have to be willing to learn in the business mm-hmm. because the moment you think you know everything, you're going to fail. And this industry right now is changing so much that you know, you have to you have to stay on top of trends and what's going on. And that's I think the biggest thing right now is just be willing to start at the ground up be willing to learn everything because eventually when you're the owner everyone that's at the bottom is going to look up at the top and expect you to be able to to show them and if you can't if you haven't experienced it you can't teach them and i think that's a lot of the problem we have these days is that people are not willing you know i tell any of them we because we'll have some kids that are 16 and the parents you know And they have their things to do. I said, anything you want to do. I said, the worst question you'll ever ask me is the one you don't. And the worst answer I will ever give you is no, Mm -hmm. but I'll tell you why. Because everybody deserves that. I think that's part of a society. We don't show enough respect for each other sometimes just to realize we're all human and we make mistakes. And that's one thing in my life through, you know, there are plenty of things, you know, people like, oh, if you'd gone back, could you do this? I'm like, shoot, there's a lot of things I could go back and wish I could fix. But, you know, it's made me into the man I am today. It's made me into the Christian I am today. It's made me into the father, the husband that I am today. And I would not change any of that.
0: Good, good. That's outstanding, Russell. I just, you know, I'm, I'm just delighted in having known you all these years, watched uh, the great young man you've become the family man, knowing the family folks for years and years. It's always fun for me to have someone on the podcast that does that. And, uh, and I think that advice was just outstanding for a lot of careers. You're absolutely right. Uh, so folks, pay attention to that kind of stuff. And those of you who are in that age range we're talking about, it's perfectly okay to, to listen to the Russells of the world Pay attention. You will save yourself a lot of of missteps. Now, uh, if you have questions about today's show, please, as I say, get back to me on shellgriff uh, at gmail.com, S-H-E-L-G-R-I-F at gmail.com, and I'll be glad to get with Russell, get back to you on a future program, and talk about that. I have been delighted to have you with me on the program today, Russell, I can't wait to, to grab a, a second uh, adventure on an episode in the future, talking about a lot of different things as well. So thank you so much for being with me today. And folks, as I say to each and every one of you, I hope you have a safe and healthy day, and I'll see you a little further up the road.